W.A. Tozer said, when you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. Today, people all over the place say the same thing, that they just are too busy and they have not enough time. We're becoming time poor. Yet we have the very same 24 hours that everybody else has, the same 1,440 minutes in a day that everyone else does, the same amount of time that we had a decade ago and a century ago. Nothing has changed. So what really has? Have we become more busy? I mean, today we live in this technology age, right? Well, we all have technology. We have it in our cars. We have it in our houses. We have it in our hands. We have it in our handbags. have it in our phones, mobile um, devices, whatever else. And it's all there supposed to give us more time or to save time, uh, to make our lives more efficient. And I don't think it's done anything <laughs> but steal time. It's just taken more time. Do we have more time than we our parents did? Nope. Do they have more time than we did? Nope. I mean, I don't know if you know much about history. Some of you might. But early, early in the days, you would get up in the morning and you would bake your own bread. You didn't have the luxury of going down to Coles, getting bread the day beforehand, or bread and storing it in your freezer, depending on how you do it, or storing it in your pantry or your bread box or any other thing. You had to bake your own bread for the day. Life was a lot different than it used to be. Now we have all the luxuries of everything supplied for us, and yet we have less and less time. The reason I think we have, we're time poor isn't because we have less time, but because we kill time. We waste time and we don't appreciate its value so much because we think we have too much time. We think we have so much time that we waste more of it. We rush and rush more, trying to be more productive, more efficient, more, 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 yet no one has any more time. And to be honest with you, I'm actually preaching myself this morning because like you, there's just not enough time to do all the things that I want to do. I mean, how many families actually eat at the table together? around the table. I know it's something that we try and do as much as possible in the week. We try and make a family dinner. We try and sit around the table and appreciate the time and talk to each other. Of course, that doesn't always work with busy lives. Sometimes we're eating on the run or sometimes it's half of us sitting at the table and some of the other half is busy off doing something with soccer and dance and whatever else is happening that week. But it's, it's one of the things that we try and value. That time around the table. Or one of these people, and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to condemn anyone, or you're one of these people who likes to eat in front of the TV. I mean, how are we actually spending our time, the 24 hours a day that we spend it? I've actually found myself in the last six months watching less and less TV. Probably because there's less and less on that's actually decent these days. <laughs> but even with all the subscriptions, I'm finding less and less stuff to watch which is good because it means I can spend more and more time in other different things. One of the things my son does now, especially during the school holidays, is I work during the school holidays and um, they don't. And many times he would come in, Dad, can you come and play with me? Because he got into this whole cricket thing and he wanted to buy cricket stumps and somebody has to teach him how to play cricket. 
and uh, Aussies aren't doing too well at the moment. Well, they're up and down all the time. Depends on what happens. So we've got to teach them how to play cricket. And I've got to teach them how to kick a football and kick a time. So it's important that I get out and I spend time with him. I break some time in my work days, especially during school holidays, and I make sure I look after the kids. Smells off doing fivefold and other things during the week. And so we try and balance our time as best we can between the two kids. Society is overwhelming us today. No wonder we have become depressed, suffering from anxiety, being overwhelmed. I mean, there is such pressure to perform. You have to be just about perfect these days. And if you're not, then someone goes on and finds something else that's better. And we can apply that same pressure to our kids. And it begins to steal their time because they're trying to be perfect. And technology isn't saving anyone's time, it's stealing it. And we are only getting older, right? But God's, this is a really interesting point. You have enough time to do everything God wants you to do. God has given you enough time to do everything he wants you to do. In 2 Peter 1.3 it says, Seeing that his divine power has granted us to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness and through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Meaning God said, I've given you a task to do and I'll give you all the time you need to fulfill that task and I'll give you everything that you could possibly need in order to fulfill that task. But then of course, in life, busyness, we get distracted and we start doing things that God hasn't called us to do. We start doing the things that we sometimes want to do. And that's where we start running out of time. And what kills time is we start doing all those other things. Being weird is finding out exactly how God wants us to do with our time. He wants us for finding out what God has for us and how to spend our time wisely in doing those things. God wants you to spend time with him and without trying to find excuses. Robin Sharma said this, he said, excuses are just the lies your fear have sold you. And I find this, I, I found it really bad in my life years ago, especially when I was a young fellow, trying to, well not even trying, but f- coming up with new excuses to tell myself so I don't have to do something. And if we take the story of Mary and Martha, if you've never heard this story, it's a good one. In Luke chapter 10, 38, Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are both presented with the same opportunity to be with Jesus. Both Mary and Martha make deliberate choices based upon their priorities. Mary chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus and Martha chooses to be busy. Martha is running around trying to make food, get food organized, present a a good time of hospitality to Jesus and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose right there and right then that the opportunity to soak in to what Jesus had for her was important. And everything else can wait. Now, 
I know what it's like with my wife that if I announce to her, oh, someone's coming over, the first thing that goes through her head is, is the house clean? Is the floor clean? Is the stuff put away? I mean, I, we've, we've had time that I've told these people are coming over and I'm like, the house looks neat and tidy to me. And, and with no time at all, Mel's got the vacuum cleaner out. She's sweeping the floor. She's dusting the kids. She's doing everything she can possibly do, making sure the house is right. Then at the very last minute, she's running around with scent stuff and it makes it all smell nice, right? I got you, Dale. Was that? Look, if you guys are all the same. <laughs> Put your hand up if you don't do that. Luke, yeah, all the guys. Yeah. All the guys, yeah, right. Oh, you're okay, okay, yeah. You have children, right? I threw that in there just for you. You grab a duster and you go, oh, look, you got some dust. <laughs> oh, we all do it. We all get self-conscious of a house. Like, imagine someone walking into your house, darling, and thinking, oh, my gosh, there's some dirt on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Guess what she'll be doing before then? We have, two, we, have t- we have two children, they'll be cleaning the house too. You'll t- if, you turn, if you go past the house about three, you'll probably see Zev polishing the windows. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing everyone's going to turn up at two, darling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everyone's <laughs> taking photos. There's a bit of dirt. There's a bit of dirt. <laughs> oh, funny, funny, funny. But can you imagine that opportunity when Jesus comes to your house? Like if Jesus literally walked to the front door, knocked on your door, what would happen? Would you freak out and go, oh my goodness. Would you be concerned? Martha looked at the opportunity as, oh my gosh, I got Jesus in the house. And she didn't do necessarily what was wrong because she was looking, I need to look after Jesus. He's come to my house. I need to make sure. And if you go back into the culture of the days, it was really rude not to make sure that you looked after that person. I'll make the coffee. I'll get the biscuits out. I'll make sure there's snacks. Right? But Mary said, this is Jesus. And he's in my house. And I can sit at his feet. And my Martha even got to the point where she started to talk to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to tell my sister Mary, look, I'm busy. She needs to come and help me. She needs to make sure that we're doing everything. We're being hospitable and looking after you and putting everything in place. It's an interesting story to start pondering about because what would we do in the same situation? Would we run around like a chicken with its head cut off, trying to make sure the house is clean, that everything is in pot, that they, our guests have got teas and coffees and cold drinks and whatever else they could possibly imagine? Or we take that opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus? Because it's easy to let these moments pass by. 
It's easy to want to spend time with people and want to spend time with things, but you need to do other things before you can do that. It's easy to let these moments pass by us because everything else is grabbing our attention. Susan Wesley, if you don't know who that is, that's John Wesley's wife. Back in the 1700s, she had 10 children. I think two children is probably enough, but 10. She had 10 children and they were all young. And every day she would grab her Bible, sit on her favorite chair in the kitchen, grab her apron and pull it over her head and spend time with God. All the kids knew not to bother mum when she had the apron over the head because she was with God. She only spent five minutes in that alone time with no distractions. Maybe the kids were going berserk. Maybe Jim and Johnny are fighting over here. Sarah's playing with the dolls. But that five minutes was her time with God. See, it comes down to our priorities. What's important? What do we value? I actually have a what's called a, I'm going to call it a five-fold priority list. First one is really simple. It's God. He is my number one priority. It means everything comes or goes through him first. It's a no-brainer. Number two, sorry, Dale, you're number two. Mel is my number two priority. The reason why is really simple is because if something happened to Mel, God willing, I'd still have God. And I need to have my relationship with God first and foremost. My wife takes second spot. I'm in a covenant relationship with my wife just like I'm in a covenant relationship with God. Number three is my children. They come after my wife because, let's be honest, if something happened to my wife, I'd be in big trouble. No, if keeping this important helps the children, helps the kids. So they always come in number three. Number four is my work. Number five is ministry. Now I'm blessed because four and five actually coincide. They're both the same. So I only have technically four. But I make my priorities list really simple and it means that making my decisions or making choices in life is really simple because I know my priorities I make decisions on what we do or how we do our things and we make our decisions on different things based upon that list I run things through that list and it makes it really easy to make decisions if it doesn't fit in those or starts conflicting with one of those it means it's a negative I can pass it aside and sometimes the hardest thing we have to do is learn how to say no But saying no is not a bad thing. In all the success books or those sort of business books or self-help books, they all say the same thing. You need to learn how to say no. The enemy, if you want to call him the devil, can make us busy. And so we don't have time for God. If he can't make you bad, he can't make you do things, if he can't convince you or whisper in your ear to do the wrong things, then he will make you busy. Because when you're busy, you don't have time to put things in order. I mean, church attendance has dropped. Not to you guys, because you're all here, right? But church attendance has dropped majorly. 20 years ago, AOG or ACC did a massive survey on their population within their churches Australia-wide, and they found out, they worked out, that church attendance has dropped by 50%. Now, if church attendance drops by 50% in one generation, it'll drop by at least 75 to 100% in the next generation. 
Why? Because it comes down to priorities. Now, I can't tell you what your priorities are. I can't make you decide what your priorities are. All I can tell you is what my priorities are and what we do and what the Word of God says. I understand life and life gets busy and life gets full on. You have a, little munch, have a couple of munchkins and it adds to all the pressure and all the strain. You have a house, you get a mortgage, you're trying to pay rent, you're looking after all your bills, everything else, plus work, plus keep all your other family happy. It's full on. Mel and I have joked that maybe we should, tra- we should just move to Antarctica and start witnessing to the penguins. But life is busy. And life is busy because we make it busy. But the truth is, God asked for the first. He asked for the first of the week. He asked for our time. He asked for the first moments of your day. He asked for all our first. He asked for our first fruit, our first tithe. He asked for our first times of the day. He asked for the moments of our lives. He asked for it. He says, give it to me. I want it. Why? Because it's the same principle. See, it's a principle that God has put in place, not a commandment, right? So God puts a principle in place. You give him the first, God will bless the rest. But if we go back to the story of Martha, Mary and Martha, Martha not only missed the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, she felt justified in missing it as well. And that's why she told Jesus, tell Mary to come and give me a hand. I wonder how many things we feel we can justify that take us away with our time with God. And let's be honest, man, the excuses are just endless. We can make them up. We're pretty clever. right? Henry, David, I can't even pronounce his name, last name, he said this, you must live in the present and launch yourself on every wave. Find your eternity in each moment. See, oftentimes the issue that we are struggling with is simply not just a time factor. It's simply that we don't understand or value the present moment we're in. We can be here, but inside our heads we are thinking about everything else. You're having a conversation with your wife and it starts drifting off. I wonder what's on TV tonight. Because if we're honest, let, and let's be honest, right? Because we're all having these problems, because I know I'm having them. Sometimes my w- mind wanders. I start thinking about different things except being in the present moment. So if I'm guilty, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm the only one. If I'm the only one, I shouldn't be up here speaking. Oh, I'll, I'll repent later. I'll maybe just repent now. We all have those problems where our mind wanders. My wife comes home from a busy day of work and she speaks at 100 miles an hour and I have to decipher and catch in single words and try and put together the puzzle of what actually took place. And then, anyway. Sometimes it's like, and if I'm honest, and I will be, sometimes, darling, I love you to bits, but I'm thinking about other things. Wherever we are, we should be there. And the answer isn't more time in your life, but a greater awareness of the time that we have. Because if you had more time, 
Right? So let's just say that you, for, for instance, got 26 hours in the day and the rest of us poor smucks got only 24. What would you do with it? If you're honest, you'd probably fill it with more stuff. Right? Oh, I can do this and I can do that. I can do this and do that. I'll get that done and get this done and we'll get ourselves a little bit ahead. But then you just add more, more, more stuff and you get... In the technicality, more and more in the same mindset. We might like to think we would rest and take it easy, spend more time doing nothing, but we would just fill it. See, we need to be wise, not foolish. We need to be weird and not normal. And we need, not, we need to not let the culture of the day steal our time and fill in the concepts of connecting or getting in the like-mindedness of what is surrounding us. And it starts with knowing what's important. What are our priorities? In James 4:14, it says, Yet you do not know what life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Life is short. Sometimes too short. Some of us will know people who left way too early. And every day is a gift from God. Every moment is important and every moment we get to spend with loved ones and those around us is important. And like I said, I am still trying to learn this, still trying to perfect this, try, still trying to tell myself, convince myself, move things around, get things right and do those things. And too many good things quickly become the enemy of the best things. The closer your family is to God, the more we stand out from the culture that is around us. The more time we spend with God, the more it affects everything else that goes around it. When I focus on what is important to God, I stand out. I live differently. I invest my time differently. And people notice different. I am happy to be weird and happy to be weirder and getting weirder all the time. Because if I'm honest, normal doesn't work. Weird isn't easy because it's different. I remember when Zeph was younger, a little bit younger, he's still young. He went to Canberra on a JDRF um, kids in the house thing, which is he is diabetes type 1, and so JDRF is Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And so they do this thing every so often where they do a kids in the house and they send all their advocates of all the areas around Australia and they go... They go bombard Parliament House and go and try and get funding for, from all the politicians to try and do things. right? Because who can say no to a little kid, right? Unless it's your own. That's different. But if it's someone else, it's so much harder, right? And they, w- they go down there and they try and get funding. They talk to all these politicians and it's a great opportunity for him. And I remember I, was, I didn't get to go this time and Mel went and she took Zeph down. They had a great time. But there was this time when they all had dinner together. Right? They all had their dinner out in front of them. They can all imagine it because they're all sitting there going, how many carbs do I put in? It's just this thing, right? And Zef, Zef is Zef. If you don't know, Zef is, at two years old when we're in the hospital, Zef is walking around the hospital morning at six o'clock in the morning when every other kid is asleep telling every nurse, good morning, good morning, good morning. 
By the time we left, they knew Zeph. Everybody in the hospital had heard about Zeph. We left in the elevator and this lady who was from admin looked at Zeph and goes, is that Zeph and I that I've heard about? Yep. Oh, hello. Everybody had heard about Zeph. When we all, I think it was about when the kids were three, we went down the beach and Zeph started walking up the beach and started saying hello to everybody. Zeph is a, is a unique personality. But in the middle of dinner, he gets up and says, everyone, stop. We haven't prayed. And so at the top of his voice, he starts praying and giving grace over dinner. And nobody moved. You could hear a pin drop from what I was told, right? I wasn't there. And then when he had finished, he sat back down and started eating his dinner. And everyone else went, okay, we'll go back to dinner. Priorities. Because what you, what's your priorities filters down in your children. What's weird for somebody should be our normal. See, sometimes we're willing to say no to things everyone else is say, willing to say yes to. Weird people know that there is a time, no time like the present. The line dividing work and leisure time is blurring right before our eyes and it's creating a phenomenon called leisure time. The biggest reason why people surrender to the norm is because we struggle with our faith. We struggle with the concept that God is on the throne, that he is able to handle all the details of our life. And sometimes that comes because we've prayed and we've asked God and we haven't seen him move. Or sometimes we, we're not too sure if what he says is true or whether or not everything that God says is absolutely true. Perhaps God is just a God who sits on the throne so far away that we don't recognize or don't understand his involvement in our lives. And so we don't necessarily value everything. Or we don't go to him and consult him and invite him into the situation. And sometimes that can be, be because God doesn't give us a play-by-play -play call on our lives. He doesn't go, okay, David, in five minutes I'm going to do this. And the next five minutes I'm going to do this. And the next five minutes and this, and this will happen today, this will happen today. Here's a list of all the things that will happen in the process. And so what we do is because we don't get that play-by-play -play action, we end up sometimes doing it in our own hands. We take control. Because we're control freaks. And some of us are a bit more control freaks than other people. And oftentimes we substitute something for God when really he's the only one who can fulfill us. The antidote to the time issue is taking the Sabbath. It's taking rest and sleep. But not the rest and sleep that we think. It's actually the rest in Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty, 30, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you've got worries, if you've got concerns, if you've got things that are out of your control, Jesus actually says, come to me. Come to Jesus. We need to get to this point where we acknowledge our limitations. Oh, that didn't work? Oh, don't you hate that? There we go. Does that work better? Thank you, John. Technology. See, it doesn't help you at all. 
We need to acknowledge our limitations and realize our need and our dependence on God, which is a bit humbling because the first thing is we have limitations. And he does not. He doesn't have one single limitation. He's not, it's not actually weak to acknowledge your limitations or your need of him. It's actually not a sign of weakness, not a sign of softness. It's actually an understanding of who he is, the fullness of who he is. What if we, just throw it out there, made church on a Sunday a non-negotiable and we stuck to it? What if kids' church was a non-negotiable and we stuck to it? What if reading the Bible was a non-negotiable? Turning up to corporate prayer, having meaningful relationships, getting to know people who are like-minded, hanging out together, and they weren't negotiable. Meaning we didn't change them for anything. I wonder what changes we'd see in our families, in our lives, and those around us if people understood that we did not have negotiables. I mean, God wants to be not just a part of your life, but involved in your life. He wants to be part of your family's life. He wants to be involved in it all. I mean, there's only other week my son was asking me questions about God. Is God real? How do I know if God is real? That's a fun question to answer. There's times when we talk to our children just about God and what's happening. This is what's happening. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Our children are part of our lives. Just like God is. But of course it's going to take extreme measures and that's the only way to bring extreme results. If you want a normal life, do what normal people do. If you want to know God on a deeper level, if you want to walk with Him daily, you're going to have to get weird. And you will do what few people do. You will know Him. Because He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We need to stop settling for what is normal, mediocre, what we think might be deemed acceptable, and we need to get weird. We need to change things. We need to do things different. I love the saying where it says, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, that is the definition of stupidity. We are constantly looking at ways to do things differently. We try and be efficient as we can, but we try and do things differently. And when we fail, when we fall down, we get back up and we do it a little bit differently. I'm weird like that. But that's my normal. Time is a fleeting, and as these moments tick on, what's important will become relevant to you. What's important where you spend your time will be shown in what you actually do, the moments you spend those times in. For us, we do things as a family. We went to Zeph's soccer game as a family. And as much as that excites Charlotte and thinks it's terribly boring, we go to her dance concert as a family. And Zeph has the same feelings. He hates it. But we go and we support each other. And when we do things together, we do them as together as a family. We celebrate our highs and we, I don't know, what to support each other in our lows. 
We talk through things. We walk through things. We reveal things. We show things. We're open. Well, we try and be as open as we possibly can. I just told you there's dirt in our house, right? Things are unfinished. Things aren't complete. But we are moving forward. And sometimes we just put things off because it's just not important. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first step in everything is actually putting things in the right order. And that requires coming to know Him, repenting, understanding who He is, putting things in place, and then walking it out. I will be down the front if you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to meet Jesus. But I know right now that we all need to learn how to use our time better. Because 24 hours in a day just isn't enough. But it's the same 24 hours that everybody else has and everybody in history has had. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We'll close the meeting. You can pick up your kids. We have tea and coffee and there's a morning tea, light lunch across in the kitchen. We do encourage you to stay, get to know someone, meet someone. If you're a bit shy, just go up and introduce yourself. Um, it's the easiest way to do it. Hi, my name's... Insert your name. We don't have to pack the chairs up, so don't have to do that. You forgot to do that, but I got it, right? We can now leave them out because there's a group that comes in Sunday afternoon and they can have the chairs. So that's that's cool. Um, so we'll go we'll go on fellowship for a while and then some of us will come back in and help David pack all this this gear up and give him a hand. But we are excited for what is God is doing. We have lots of things coming up. So if you want to come and find out about those things or get involved at some sort of level or degree, or maybe you just want a free tea and coffee, that's cool. Nav said he's gonna bring cookies. I've dubbed you in, man, you have to bring cookies now. Or do I bring cookies as well? So we better well, yeah. But come along, it'll be a great time of fellowship, if not anything else. You can marvel or try and find the dirt and then point it at Mel if you want. That's all right. You can bake them. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's not enough time. Yeah, we haven't meeting this other. It's so good. See, we can laugh and joke. This week we celebrated 16 years of uh, anniversary, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think too. But then, then you hear about other people like 16 years, and then someone else said, "Oh yeah, I've been married 36." And I'm like, okay. trying to focus now trying to get holy again it's good to have a laugh and joke in in church tell you dear heavenly father I thank you for every person here and father I thank you that uh, there are times in our lives where time slips through our hands and father it's, it's important that we remind ourselves how important time is and that we spend time with you and that we have our priorities in order and that we can always do things better. Father, I thank you there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for every person here, and I speak your mighty hand upon them. I speak blessings and favor, guidance and direction. Father, guide us in all that we do this week. Speak to us. And Father, as we present and 
prepare and be in time with you. Father, bless us and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.